Yo, 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 Westside, how are we today? Yeah, happy spring to you. Seeing the grass. How many of you have had your first mow already this season? Eager beavers, man. All right, that's good. I know it's just, you know, it's my favorite time of year, favorite season. Anybody else? Right, you got the tulips coming up, you got daylilies, you got just the, that crispness in the air. You got the royals with two walk-offs already. I mean, come on. You've got KU and my bracket aligning for glory. Did you get, you, you shouted, did you hear my bracket aligning for glory with KU? It was a good, good, good moment, right? And uh, so I was out having a little spring morning walk. I was reading the passage, which we'll be looking at today. I was reflecting on this, John chapter 15, verse one, where Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. Now he goes on to say, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, maybe you're like me, maybe not. I mean, maybe you've never heard of this before. What is he talking about? But if you're like me, you've, you've looked at this bunch and I'm on this walk going, okay, need some new way to access this passage. And here I am, it's a beautiful morning and I'm looking up and I'm seeing like all the little budding at the end of, of the branches and, and it hits me. I mean, I just start breaking it down very simply. I'm like, Okay, so Jesus, like, this is amazing. Like, so what you're saying is a brittle, dead branch like this can't bear fruit. That's what you're saying, right? And, and so apart from being connected into the tree, like, that is what's gonna produce fruit. And then it hit me. It hit me. Just the, the profundity of the fact that from any branch, any piece of wood, out the end would come Fruit. Does that not just make you, I mean, like, look, like out, out of this would come like uh, apples or oranges or avocados or, or tangerine. I mean, like juicy, succulent, messy, fleshly, beautiful fruit out of this. Is this not amazing? It's incredible. Like, think about this. Like, step out of your world, step back in as if you've never heard this before. And fruit comes out of a stick. <laughs> I'm serious. This is amazing. Speedway. This is amazing. North Sanctuary. Is this amazing? Online community. Here's what you can do. You can do what we can't do. Hit pause. Now go outside and just look up. Or, or put a branch in your hand, and you're like, wow, I mean, this is incredible. This is like one of the greatest inventions ever. I mean, this is better than Oreos and milk. This is better than Velcro straps on a toddler's shoes. This is, I mean, Moses, he took a stick, he threw it down, right, turned into a snake, which is fine, except for I don't like snakes, and I think a peach coming out of the end is at least equally as cool. You? I mean, so just the thought like, uh, you know, when God said in the very beginning, let there be light, right? Let there be water, let there be vegetation, let there be plants. I mean, if he went down deep, I mean, maybe we just got the truncated, you know, Reader's Digest version. Maybe he literally said, let there be a rootstock and a Zion and, and let there be this in one tree. If you go past beyond the protective layer of the bark, let there be this layer called the cambion. 
And within the Cambion, let there be this super highway system from down in the roofs all the way to the tips. And there's going to be a one way, which is that's the xylem, and that's going to shoot up water and nutrients. And then there's going to be another one that's called the flum, which is going to send up and down glucose, mm, sweet, mm, and amino acids, depending on what's needed in the moment. It's like crazy. It's like trees have sensors, man. Like your car might be able to sense if a tire is flat. Trees know whether to send glucose up or amino acids down. This is incredible. Yeah? Okay. And then we get to the great arborist, Jesus, who says, I'm the true vine, you're the branches. You can't bear fruit unless you're connected to me. Now, all of a sudden, this means something to me when I think about this. Does it to you? And when he said it back in that day, 2,000 years ago, it meant a different layer for those of his own people, the Jewish people. See, the idea of, and by the way, I'm holding, I don't even know what kind of stick I'm holding, but Jesus would have been talking about like grapes and clusters and vineyards. And that kind of imagery was super pronounced to his people in what we call the Old Testament. In fact, the people of Israel were defined in the scriptures as a vine. Jeremiah would describe uh, the people of God as a choice vine. Hosea, a luxuriant vine. And oftentimes, when God through his, his word in the Old Testament is describing them as a vine, it's not such a good thing. It's actually a little bit of a degenerative thing. It's a little bit of a critique, like the prophets are speaking out against Jerusalem. In Ezekiel chapter 15, the word is, you are a useless vine. Not very good. In Psalm 80, here's where it's really interesting. I'm just gonna offer it to you here. It says, return to us, God Almighty. Like, return, please, come back. You know, We're not sensing you. Look down from heaven and see, get this, watch over this vine, the root your right hand has planted. The sun you have raised up for yourself. Very interesting. I mean, vine imagery was everywhere. In the temple, over the holy place, there was a golden vine that hung, and people would come and take their own kind of clusters and hang, hang them to them. During the Maccabean era, if you've heard of the Maccabean Revolt, the short period in Israel's history where they kind of took over, took back things uh, for their own kind of control and power, they actually, on their coins, had a vine as the emblem, uh, as the emblem of who they were. And so William Barclay would just describe this. What did a vine mean to people, uh, uh, to the people of God and to the Israelites? The vine was part and parcel of Jewish imagery and the very symbol of Israel. Now, what we all know as hack arborists about trees, branches, fruit, vines, and what we now know about the context and the backstory of the Jewish people and how they saw themselves as a vine, we turn back to John chapter 15. Jesus isn't just saying this out of anywhere. Jesus just isn't just saying this because he enjoys an occasional glass of wine, though there is evidence that he does in moderation. Jesus says this, I am the true vine. Now, these are words. These are words. 
Wait, 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 you know, we know about vine, we know about imagery, we know that this is the very symbol of Israel, and Jesus is saying, I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. We're going to go now 17 verses in, so bear with me, follow along, lean in, soak it in. Jesus says, he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it'll be even more fruitful. You are already clean. In other words, you're already pruned because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I, he says it again, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so, that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So imagine you have Jewish ears. You lived 2,000 years ago. You know the whole heritage and the story that the people of God are the entire, like, like the, the whole symbol is that they are the vine and Jesus comes along and says, I am the true vine. Now he's not replacing the people of God, he's fulfilling in this moment like he does. Through all of these I am statements, I am the great shepherd, I am the door, I am the light. As he goes on, I am the way, the truth, and life. All the I am's. He's not abolishing the old ways. He's actually saying everything that has been pointed to, forecasted, foreshadowed, anticipated, called out for, it's all being fulfilled right here in me. If you know the backstory, you know now here I am as the climax to it. And that's incredible. And that's what Jesus is saying in this moment. I'm the true vine. And from this vine will come love, will come friendship, will come joy, will come your greatest nutrient source. Now, as I thought about that for you and I, what does that mean for us? Well, I think it means that I know for me, I like the idea of that, I don't always practice the idea of remaining or attaching or clinging or abiding in the true vine. Like in, in a day-to-day practical way, I'm not great at that. I wanna just walk through three demonstrations where I think we might find ourselves practically in this. I'm gonna switch sticks here. Since it is Palm Sunday, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pull from a palm branch here just, to, uh, just for demonstration purposes. So here, 
here you are. Here's me. We're, we are our own luxuriant vine, right? And the goal, of course, all of us, we want to, and when we hear this in our culture all the time, we want to show up as our best selves, right? We want us to be fully ourselves. So how can I be the best kind of, let's say, branch? How can I be the best possible branch? Well, I'm just going to I'm gonna do some self-improvement work, right? So I'm gonna get out my clippers, and I'm like, man, that, that one doesn't look quite right, right? I'm gonna kind of brace this up. I'd like to be a little straighter, right? And um, if this could grow better, I just wanna get a little miracle grow on that. And um, my daughter would say, she's like, Dad, online, social media, all that stuff. The whole message is not like, you're the problem. The message is everyone else is the problem, and so just keep everyone else from like shaming you, or you know, it's just the message is you be used. So this is what the insecticide is for. You just keep the bugs off, right? You do this, and then you want it to grow even more, bigger, faster. And I don't know what this is, but it says it's organic, so it must be good. And I'm gonna put that on there, and I'm working my own self improvement plan. Now, what's the problem with this? It's not bad to, you know, read Atomic Habits or listen to a thousand podcasts or take on the latest life hack or to do Whole30. None of those things are bad. In fact, they're good. But what's the problem? What's the problem? I am not connected to anything as a branch. I am applying my own American individualistic, fiercely independent approach. I am the center of my own universe, and I am going to improve myself. And truthfully, in my full-time job, I work with leaders and companies and organizations, and we do a lot of those kinds of self-improvement plans, and sometimes the branch looks better to the organization or to the person. But I'll tell you this, when I have the opportunity to work with those who are connected to the true vine, wow, radically different. We go deeper, we go faster, so much more fruit is born. I want us just to see the absurdity of all this work when there's no root source. By the way, all three of my examples work in middle school as well as they do in adulthood. <laughs> now God has a different way of self-improvement, and it goes by a different name. It's called pruning, pruning. Jesus talks about it. In fact, of all this good news, it's the first real word out of the gate. He says, well, every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. What's the difference between self-improvement and pruning? Self-improvement I am imposing my own will upon myself. The problem with that, I have tons of blind spots. I won't go as deep as I want because it might be too painful. But Jesus says, look, we can cooperate with him and you have a father and he's the gardener who tends to you. He knows you inside and out, every hair on your head. He knew you before you were even born in that secret place in your mother's womb. He knows everything about you. He knows all that you need. And so pruning is, he wants to get in there to the fiddlers and, and the things that are blocking the sun and the things that are sucking up the nutrients that won't lead to fruit and he wants to go there. And guess what? He wants to go there deep. 
Here's the, here's the thing about pruning. Pruning is not really clipping. I have a friend, he's a horticulturist, and when he does demonstrations on pruning, like to classrooms and stuff, he brings a chainsaw. And he's like, you wanna talk about pruning? <laughs> it's like, you gotta go deep, and then you gotta go deeper, to the point where you almost think that you're killing the plant. And I, I have real life experience in this. In our backyard, there is, uh, there's like three or four trees or bushes. I don't know quite what they are, but they're, they get unruly. They're, they flower. It makes it hard to mow along them. The only benefit I see is that they give us a privacy fence between our neighbors, which we both enjoy. <laughs> no, they're great. We love our neighbors. Uh, and I had um, some time on my hands. I was in a season where uh, I was pastoring at a, another great church here in town called Heartland Community Church. I'd been there for 15 years. And, um, and yet things were happening inside of me. I couldn't quite make sense. So I actually took a little time away from my normal duties just to go, God, I feel like you're up to something. I don't know what it is. But I had time on my hands. So I got into gardening and things like this. So I decided I was gonna take, take the clippers to this big old tree bush kind of thing. So I call my wife, because she knows everything. So I call her, and I say, honey, I'm going to do this. How deep do you think I should go? She goes, really deep. I'm like, how deep is deep? Like, yeah, almost like down to the nubs. I'm like, okay. So I get in there. I'm just getting there, the whole thing. I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's deep. I don't know. That's really, really, really deep. I literally call her back. Honey, this feels too deep. Uh, show me, so FaceTime, right? I'm, I'm showing her, she's like, nope, you gotta go deeper, you gotta go deeper. I'm like, okay, watch you, watch you, watch you. Neighbor Scott comes over, puts his arm on the fence. What are you doing, Dan? He's not happy, because we've lost our privacy, right? I'm like, I know, I, I, I'm just doing what my wife tells me, is what I told him. <clears throat> I keep going, watch you, watch you, watch you. And, and now, I mean, literally, it's like you can't even hardly see up over the dirt. My wife shows up, she looks at it, she goes, mm. I think maybe you went too deep, is what she said. <laughs> I was returning my tools back to the garage. Sorry, I was returning Elisa's tools back to the garage when it's just one of those obvious things, but I felt like the Lord said to me, uh, this is a picture for you. And you're being, you're being pruned, and things that you thought were fruitful and bringing life, I'm going to remove and we're gonna make space, sunlight, things that we're sucking out the nutrients, we're gonna make space, and it's gonna hurt, and it's gonna be confusing, but there'll be life, there'll be joy. If you'll just remain in me and remain in my love, and here I am now, probably two and a half years later, and I just have to say, he's a good gardener. And you might be in a place of great pain, you might be in a place of just this hurts, you might be in a place of not being able to figure it out, you might be in a place of things being like they're taken out of your hands, even things that you love, and I just want you to know, you have a good gardener. And if you'll join him and surrender and remain to him and allow yourself to be pruned, yeah, do all the good stuff of atomic habits or whatever you want, but at the core, are you connected to the nutrient source? And do you know that you have a Father in heaven who tends to you from the inside out? We can trust him there. The next, I think, example of where we don't really live connected to the vine is, you know, we take our, we take our here we are as our branch, and we're like, you know, 
I think most of my life and vibrancy and a sense of who I am can be found in like who I'm with, you know? So I'm like, man, you guys, this would be awesome if I could just kind of get into this group rather than be amazing. It's like, holy cow, you've been to the gym. That would be, that would make me feel safe, right? That's this, this awesome. And it's like, wow, wild man. Like this, this looks like adventure. Very crooked, very wild, lots of offshoots. That seems like a very fun life. And man, if I could just get in with this kind of crowd here and this social circle, or, or land this account. Like, I think this would say a lot about me and I think I'd find the right kind of nutrient source. I could just glean off of everyone else here, but there's a problem. What's the problem? Not attached. Do you know what you call a bunch of sticks? Not attached? A burn pile, right? A burn pile. And Jesus actually goes on to say that. It's like, hey, if it's not bearing fruit. Now, I don't think he says it in like hell and damnation kind of way. I think it's very practical. Like, it's great to have friends, community we love here at Westside. Like, we talk about A2 community groups and all of those things. But why do we talk about those? We talk about those because we want to be connected to other branches who are, are, are connected to the same nutrient source from which the love flows and the joy flows and the life that will lead to actually fruit that lasts forever, Jesus says. But when I'm connected to others that aren't, and if I allow myself to be in a place of receiving undue influence, if they become my nutrient source, that's a dead end. Now, by the way, if I'm connected to the nutrient source and I'm connected to other branches that are, man, I need to be in with the sticks. But I first have to find my friend in Jesus. And that's what he says. I love how he, he's so practical and he turns to this. And he goes, look, instead, I've called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. What is Jesus sending up through his vine, through the rootstock? All that he receives from heaven. This is crazy. Everything I'm receiving, download from the father, probably add from the Holy Spirit. All that's true in heaven is coming up through the xylem and the flum within the cambium to you. And I don't, I don't download it to you like it's some book you're supposed to read. I give it to you in friendship. So walk with me in friendship. And you know what happens when we do that in our relationships and our friendships? So much more rich and rewarding. The depth of relationships. No longer standing at a cocktail party just going, oh my gosh. I, mean, I, 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 <laughs> I was gonna tell a story and I won't. But just... <laughs> But just that idea of, man, when you bring people together. Well, I will tell that story. I was with some people. And most of us were believers and we're doing our best to imperfectly live off this vine. And, but we also had some other folks and it was kind of this cocktail type party thing. And this gal came up to me and she just said, the people here are so neat. Like she didn't even have words for it. Because there's such richness when we get to walk with Jesus in friendship and then we walk with others who are leaning or gleaning or remaining upon the same nutrient source. Here's another thing that we do, by the way, and this is super popular in our culture, is we go, you know, I know that I need 
a new nutrient source. Like it can't just be me, I get that, I need something more transcendent. It can't just be others. There has to be something beyond me, something sacred out there that I'm gonna cling to. But don't tell me what that is and don't tell me there's just one choice for me to choose. I'm gonna go find those that really fit my own sensibilities and my own kind of preferences and the kind of things that I wanna draw up out of the ground. And so maybe for some that's education and we love education around here, right? There's nothing wrong with it. But if that's all that it is, then it's just sand. Or we go, man, I saw something on Google. I think it's from some Eastern mysticism type thing, but I'm gonna just add that to my nutrient source and that's gonna be, that's gonna be kind of rewarding. And then, but maybe it's more material than that. Maybe it's actually stuff. If I just, if I have enough security and enough going on in my, portfolio, I'll just add that in, right? And we need water, and so maybe there's just some sort of like, gosh, some sense of whatever it is that's going to uh, be my own nutrient source, and now we're in the day and age where it's not just all that. It's like, I need the right politic, and I need to, to you know, belong to the right news feeds, and I gotta find my own tribe. And so I brought here, um, it says, I have bath bombs. And so I have some bath bombs here just to kind of symbolize, like if I just found the right, I'm sorry, my wife has bath bombs that I'm borrowing. And if I just had the right, you know, kind of politic, right? Or if I had the right kind of ideology, and if I just agreed with all the right people and had the right kind of data, then it's gonna work out. I'm gonna draw from my deepest nutrient source. And then you look down there, and you go, well, let's see how this works. And at the end, you got a pile of rocks and sand and pebbles and bubble bath. <laughs> and I don't mean to be like trite. We all have to be exploring our faith. We can't just take it and say because the Bible says so, per se, or my parents say, like, we have to be pursuant of truth. And yet, I think in our day and age, there's this sense of, well, how could there only be one way? I go, you know, if there's multiple ways, that's a lot of pressure for me to kind of just figure out the right cocktail. I had a conversation with, with a person not too long ago, and this was really that person's beef. is like, why, why does it have to, it feels so restrictive, it feels so unloving that there would just be one way when Jesus, like J.J. Lane last week, talked about Jesus saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life, thought he did such a beautiful job. Like, why is that unloving? Because... It's not unloving to be clear, to say, hey, there, there, there is a way. Reminds me of um, Tony Campolo, sociologist, believer, who uh, was on a plane, and as he was getting on the plane, the person asked him what he, what he did, and he said, well, I'm a Baptist preacher. He, he's like, I'll never make that mistake again. <laughs> Because the person just started peppering. Well, how come this and how come that? And how could a loving God like say there's only one way when there's so many other options out there? Well, they, they lift up, they get into the clouds and there is a massive amount of turbulence. I'm like, pow, 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 sideways. I hate it when the plane goes sideways. That means the wind is winning is what that means, right? And they think they're going down and the person beside Tony is scared to death. And then Tony's like, I couldn't help myself. He said, I just turned to that person and said, well, you know, I'm really glad the pilot doesn't believe what you believe. And then the person's like, what are you talking about? I'm really glad the pilot is not up there in the cockpit saying, there's only 
there's, there's so many different ways we could land this plane. There's so many options at our disposal. No, in that moment, you want one landing strip, one path through the pocket of air, and one seasoned pilot to get you down. It is not unloving, just to be clear, particularly if it's honest. And we get the sense that Jesus is shooting us straight. Everything that we know about him, about his life, about his conduct, about his heart would point to in whom there is no guile or deceit. And the beautiful thing is this. When Jesus says, I am the vine and you're the branch, how does it actually work? Well, in horticulture, it's called grafting, and the scriptures talk about this in Ephesians and in Romans, that we're actually grafted in. And here's how that works. You take the rootstock, that would be Jesus, and you cut a deep, deep cut into the cambium layer, beyond the bark, into the, the most intimate part. And then you take the Zion, that's us, that's the branch. And you also take a deep, deep cut, and then you press it together, and you wrap it together. And you go, how could a different branch be attached to a vine and still grow fruit? And the answer is by being grafted in. But here's the crazy thing about being grafted. Both the rootstock and the Zion are wounded. They have to be wounded in order to come together. They have to be pressed in so tightly. And one is holding the other and the other is holding the one. We're held there. We're held there. And actually, the closer in that we're held, that's where healing occurs. It's interesting. It's true for our lives, isn't it? We all have wounds. We've committed and caused them. We've received them. We all have these deep gashes in our life. So too does Christ. It's the wound at the cross. It's what we'll remember and rehearse on this Friday when we all come together. We'll rehearse the deep wounding, so that we could be invited our wounds into his. But here's the only difference. His wound wins. His wound wins. And from us being pressed together, healing happens there. And what's happening? The Zion is being pressed in to the xylem and to the flum of it. And what does Jesus describe that as? It's so cool. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. If you stay connected, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. What is shooting up the xylem within the cambium layer as we're grafted in? What's coming down through the flum? Love, joy, healing happens there. My question for you is this. Will you let Jesus in that close? Is there a part of you that still wants to do your own trim work? Is there a part of you that is allowing undue influence, thinking we can suck the nutrients out of others and that's gonna lead somewhere? Is there a part of you that's taking on way too much pressure to create your own nutrient source when you have in Jesus the true vine? 
And will you allow yourself, particularly in those deep wounds, to let him come in so close and hold you there? And so, Father, we pray, we pray just that. We say, Jesus, come. We invite you in just closer. We've been maybe saying in words that, that you're the vine and we're the branch, but really we've let others be our nutrient source. We've let other things we've been asking to give us life when only we can find that in you. Would you, Jesus, would you by your Holy Spirit come into those wounded places? Would you bring your love? Would you bring your joy? Would you do what you do so well, oh Father? Would you garden and tend? In Jesus' name, amen.